darkness should have been this incredible double album that what he ended up saying about the river, oh, I needed the party songs and the serious songs. Well, if you listen to the incredible outtakes from darkness, he had some incredible love songs. Darkness, in other words, I understand and respect Bruce's final decision. That doesn't mean that I can't be sort of critical of decisions while at the same time, the release Darkness album is still a masterpiece. That's how great this guy is. It's like talking about Mozart. It's like I'm sure if Mozart had official releases and then he had outtakes, they're all great. the second half of my discussion with passionate and opinionated fan, but great guy, Arlen Schumer. I always like to talk to someone who's been a fan um, during your as long as you have. Talk to me about the dark years. What did you feel when after Tunnel of Love and they broke the band broke apart? What what was your feelings as a fan? Well, Number one, he listened to Sting on the Human Rights Tour saying, hey, Bruce, if you want to, you know, expand your, yourself, man, yeah. got to leave the E Street band behind. Now, look at what Sting did. He left the police behind. He teams up with all new musicians and has this great solo career. But what does Bruce do? He, he leaves the E Street band behind, but he kind of keeps Roy Bitten as like a crutch. Yeah. And then... You know, whereas Sting, I think, chose really great musicians. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Sting's solo work. What yes. do I care? But my point is, you know, I don't think Bruce necessarily did that. Although, to tell you the truth, I saw a couple, a couple of shows on that I call East Street Light Tour, L-I-T-E. And, man, I think it was at the Meadowlands when he played Born in the USA, even with that East Street Light band. I remember, remember... We were talking about sense memories. Yeah. I had the feeling that the roof of the Brendan Byrne arena was being lifted off. It doesn't say raise the roof. Mm -hmm. So this is Bruce with the East Street light band, and he's raising the roof playing Born in the USA. So that's just a testament to Bruce. But when you say the dark years, for me – So you as a fan, what were you feeling? Okay. So – as a creative person myself that understands or tries to understand and introspect about what it takes to create art, you have to allow Bruce, you know, his, his music has always been autobiographical. It's always reflective. Yeah. Tunnel of Love, ironically, when that came out, which is a brilliant record, if you knew Bruce's life, the fact that his lyrics were always reflective in his experience – the minute you read those lyrics in the fall of 1987, I remember getting that when the minute the album came out, reading those lyrics and going, uh, this guy's marriage is over. And the media, which always said, oh, Bruce writes about characters. He doesn't write about himself. They all missed the point. 
And they didn't understand about Bruce's marital situation until the following spring of 88 when he was infamously photographed uh, in Italy, I think, on the terrace with Patty Schiaffa. And then the media finally had dirt on Bruce for the first time in his career. But that's a whole nother story. The point I'm trying to make is Bruce. Um, you know, I love Bruce, but I'm also very critical of Bruce. I'm I'm super into his outtakes and his unreleased material. The River is one of my least favorite Bruce albums, but it's many Bruce fans favorite. But when you hear the River outtakes, many of which he hasn't really released in their proper form. But that's a whole nother story. But my feeling is I, I can name single outtakes from the river that are better than the entire released river album put together. You sent me a link and I, I'm glad you brought that up because you sent me a link in prepping for the show that had a you had a list of um, of of outtakes that you argue Bruce are the greatest hits you've never heard. Yeah. And a really, really great article. Wonderful. Well, did you click on it? it I did. I listened. I, you know, I listened. Yeah, I re- yeah. It was like it's, it, it's like a, a radio program with all like the things you would hear on PBS. It's, yeah. it's posted on the Bruce page of my website, ArlenSchumer.com. Yeah. And I will include I, a link for it. After the show, you're going to post all the links to yes, my webinar for people, so I don't yes. have to like insert them into no. my off the cuff. No, no, off. I will do that. Um, and you. I, I you I made you smile because I said you had HBO hot boss opinions, um, hot Bruce opinions. You all you, I have are hot opinions. You if that's your definition you, of hot. You love the man, but you can be pretty hard on some of his artistic choices and exactly. his songs. Uh, all the things that I love that are on my website that have separate pages are like I have three pop culture children. And in the same way, you don't know which child you love the most. I love all of them equally, but in the same way, we discipline our children. Yes. In eat, for instance, Twilight Zone, the 156 episodes. I think half of them are dogs. Dogs, half. <laughs> okay. And then you're left with 75 episodes. I think 50 of them are what I call good to great television. And then you're left with 25 half hours, and those are what I would give to the aliens if they had room on their spaceship for only one Earth television show. Okay. That's what I'm going to give them. Um, comic book art, comic book history. I'm a major Neil Adams fan. I run a Neil Adams group, but I'm as critical about a, a you know a large portion of his career as I wax poetic ad nauseum about the other part of his career that I honor mm-hmm. and respect and continue to lecture on. So my feeling is, as a critic. You know, I feel like I can prove by the things I've written and published and presented that I'm as critical of the things I love as I am rhapsodically um, um, honoring them mm-hmm. literally at the same time, like, like almost like a yin-yang. Yeah. So when it comes to Bruce, yeah, I, I can be very critical of many of his artistic decisions, especially in relations to what he chose to put out. In the great part of his career, which is really from his first album up to and including Born in the USA, that is his Hall of Fame era, so to speak. Sure. The amount of incredible songs from that era that he left off in relation to things he put on. You know, in one shorthand, I can say that 
His single album should have been double albums, and a double album should have been single albums. Yeah. Darkness should have been this incredible double album that what he ended up saying about the river, oh, I needed the party songs and the serious songs. Well, if you listen to the incredible outtakes from Darkness, he had some incredible love songs. Yeah. Darkness, in other words, I understand and respect Bruce's final decision. That doesn't mean that I can't be sort of critical of decisions while at the same time <coughs> the release Darkness album is still a masterpiece. Yeah. That's how great this guy is. It's like talking about Mozart. It's like I'm sure if Mozart had official releases and then he had outtakes, they're all great. So, yeah, there would be people going, why can't you believe that, right? Like, supposedly, Little Steven, it would be one like, you're giving this one away, right? Well, he would all okay, the time to Bruce. My point is, listen, the evidence speaks for itself. Bruce gave other singers songs that would they build their entire careers around, like Robert Gordon with Fire. I mean, don't get me started. Mm -hmm. You know, the point is, is, is that... Because I love Bruce and his music and what it's meant to me, and I love those outtakes, I will constantly be second-guessing his decisions. And by the way, I think I've been vindicated by some of Bruce's own statements in the past bunches of years where he said about a certain song on the river, yeah, we threw that one on there, maybe we shouldn't have. I mean, he said a few things. Where he said we we you know maybe I regret that decision. So I feel like you know there are one handful of times I've been vindicated. Well, yeah, just 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 recently, right? It was uh, Little Steven, Southside Johnny, and Bruce all on E Street Radio for yeah. that, and and they would mention how did this song never get on a record? And Bruce is like, you know, I, I how did I not do somehow so this to do gets that? Back to you're, you're questioning me about the dark period. Yeah. No, so you're talking about following that East Street Light thing between 93, really, when that whole thing ended, and then he doesn't reemerge with East Street Band until late 98 when he puts out yeah. tracks and then he reunites the band. If you're calling, and, and those are the years, by the way, that he does Tom Jode, and he yeah. changes his whole physical appearance. I mean, Bruce, in a weird way, almost like if you look at the history of Eric Clapton in photographs, you know, you see this guy going through metamorphoses and like Dylan, too. Yeah. But I mean, Bruce, I remember seeing him live um, for Tom Jode, you know, and I mean, listen, I've only listened to Tom Jode the album once. I've never listened to it again. That's not my thing. I mean, I, I like Bruce acoustic once in a while, but. You know, I could take his acoustic shows or leave it. Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't think they're great and brilliant. I'm just saying I like Bruce as a rock and roller with the East right. Street Band. And once in a while, I love a great acoustic song sure. that he'll throw out there. So the point is, is I don't know if I consider that dark. I mean, I just, in a sense, respected it because Bruce had to live his life. I mean, look, well he said. gave us Nebraska at a time when nobody expected Nebraska. Right. You know, so it's like Nebraska is a masterpiece. Nebraska, I mean, listen, Tom Jode makes Nebraska look like Born to Run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nebraska is an acoustic masterpiece. And yeah. it, it, it instigated the entire alt-country movement. I mean, so so how could you be a serious Bruce fan and not totally respect whatever his decisions ended up being? Like I said, even though I, I criticize him for the East Street Light Tour, 
What do I remember? I remember him raising the roof. Yes. With a with a with a fake band, so to speak, on Born USA, which shows you the greatness of Born USA Live. Is, so, is that nobody else but Bruce can play that song, no matter what band members he's got with him. Yeah, I had uh, I had right after Western Stars came out, I had a uh, a blogger from California that talked about that it wasn't the album she wanted from Bruce. She wanted something more political. She wanted something because of the Trump administration and such. And and I tend to say, you know, I just want Bruce to be happy and to, to make music. And, and Whatever I was going to say, listen, you don't have to be an artist yourself to respect an artist with the integrity of Bruce and the gratitude for what he's already given us. Yes. He's been to the mountaintop. He's given us the great shows, given us the great albums. And never burned out. He never, despite, I don't buy into the dark period. I right. just say, hey, every now and then a great artist has to go off and wander in the woods and, you know, Raise Jesus, Jesus yeah. had to spend 40 days and nights in the desert to become enlightened. Yeah. You know, and again, you don't have to be an, an artist yourself to respect that in an artist you admire. And, and I, when I hear comments like that, this idea, I mean, this is what the album Tommy by Pete Townshend was about. It was when you allow the audience, when you give the audience what you think they want, instead of what Bruce has always done, which was give what he wants, that he loves. That's all any artist could do. I don't care what they say. Nobody can predict what an audience is going to react to. All you can ever do is put out your best you-know-what, your best SHI. Mm -hmm. Can I swear on this? Yeah. I'll, yeah. Okay. Go you know what it. I'm saying? And yeah. Bruce has always done that. And and, and, and and that's all any artist can do. So all a fan should do is get down on your hands and knees once in a while and be thankful yeah. that we have creative artists in our lives who have given us the wealth of greatness that Bruce Springsteen's given us. If all he ever gave us were his first three albums and then, God forbid, had pull the Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. We would be talking at him like he's still the king of rock and roll. Yeah. Elvis is not the king. Forget this boss. I've never used the word boss once right. to describe Bruce. He doesn't even like the name right. boss. Did, but he is the true king because of yeah. that superhero-like quality that he pulls together. Well, he's proved it. There's nobody that's been as critically successful and as popularly successful as Bruce Springsteen in the history of popular music. Well, and to make your point, right? Um, you mentioned the Ghost of Tom Joad. I would. I was not a huge fan of the Seeger Sessions. It certainly had points that I loved. Um, and when okay, I can saw I it, like, something yeah, about please. The Seeger Sessions? Yeah, I saw one show at the uh, uh, Garden. We used to be called the Garden State Arts yeah. Center. Now it's the PNC something or other. Yeah. And it was the summer of 2006, right, or 2005. Right. I think he came out with that in 2005. And again, we had been through this kind of, you know, Bruce doing the E Street Lights. So here's Bruce assembling another band. And the music wasn't my favorite. I, again, I'm not big into these American old folk songs. Right. But once again, I respected Bruce to yes. do what he wants, and I'll support him, as we should always support the artists who have given us their blood, sweat, and tears. But let me tell you my sense memory of that show. It was uh, Garden State Art Center is like an open air amphitheater. Yeah. 
but the first, you know, quadrant of seats is covered like by a shed. They're called yeah. sheds. So I think I was halfway in the audience on the floor from the stage between the shed and the outdoor. And let me tell you something. I'm trying to think which song it was. It might have been Long Way Home, but I don't want to say for sure. But here's my sense memory. At one point in that show, whatever Bruce was playing, the amalgam of musicians playing again, you know, as this incredible unit with Bruce, I remember saying to myself, and I wish I could be specific, but let's just say it was Long Way Home, because it could have been Long Way Home if you know the song and how it builds. So, yeah, I think because it wasn't a Seeger Session song, or maybe I was moved because it was a Singer Session song. I don't remember the specific song. But what I do remember, Jesse, is saying to myself as I was getting into it and getting my mind blown like we experienced at Bruce shows, I remember saying to myself, holy crap, Bruce and this band have reached E Street band levels. So that's the greatest compliment you can give Bruce playing with any other musicians is if he can reach. And that's what I mean about the 93 Meadowlands show I saw. You know, it's the show where he filmed the video to – what was that song from – not Human Touch, the other album, uh, Lucky Town. Yeah. Uh, Leap of Faith. Okay. I was in the audience when they recorded that video. Okay. But I was at another Meadowlands show of that tour. He played, I think, a bunch of shows at the Meadowlands. Yeah. With the Street Light. And so, like I said, the fact that he could make me remember that he raised the roof is a testament to Bruce the Great Rock and Roller. No matter who he plays with, he, you know, yeah. they say a great player elevates the people around him. That's yeah. really what Bruce has done. Well, and my friend Sam said that going to the Seeger Sessions band, I did not get to see it, the show live, mm. but he said it was as close to a religious experience as he's ever had. Enough said. Enough right? said. Right? Enough and, said. And so I personally, um, I, you know, and I, we didn't talk about this because we just kind of got right into the meat. But I usually talk about my guests growing up and what kind of music their family listened to. Well, I listened to a family. I grew up in Louisiana, and my family were very much into country music and AM radio and AM country. Johnny Cash. Or other than the guys like that. Yeah, but yeah. So a lot of this music. And um, so Western Stars with sounding like Glenn Campbell and Jimmy Webb was something I really enjoyed. And – and what fascinated me is at 70, he's taking creative chances. He is doing something differently because he wants to. Well, again, Picasso painted till he was 90. Yeah. You know, Keith Richards is going to still be plucking those Rolling Stone familiar chords until his hands fall off. Yes. I think Bruce is going to be the same way, you know. If he were on it, God forbid, the day is going to come. He's going to be on his deathbed with that guitar, and it's going to be like at a hospital where there's an observation deck where we're all going to be observing Bruce's last performance. He's gonna... <laughs> By the way, that's how, I think that's how Bob Dylan's going to go. I mean, I think so artists, too. you know, they keep doing it until I guess they just yeah. can't do it anymore. But, you know, that's what great artists do. Yeah. Now, you we've know? gone an hour. How are we? How are you doing on time? 
have we been recording? I thought this was just warm up. <laughs> I started. We just scratched the surface. We just started to scratch the surface. Um, what do you have? Other sense memories you can share? A couple about of them. Boots? A couple more about live shows, or maybe hearing an album um, that because you certainly explained how Born to Run. Um, Change okay. your life. It was it was the boat the the road to Damascus that right like from the Bible you know. And I'm not the only one that people who describe no. what it was like hearing Born to Run, if if especially like the English audience for many of the English crowd born they didn't hear the first two albums either it was Born to Run. Yeah. Um. You know people have written essays too about what it was like to hear Born to Run for the first time. It's a for I'm not the only one that can no. describe it as a life changing. Yes. experience you know uh, the, the other two sense memories that have to do they both have to do with 78 and with topics that we sort of touched upon so it makes sense to bring them up since you asked but you know in the spring of 78 all of us bruce fans were dying for when is this album coming out right. that we've been waiting for since 1976 and here it is the spring of 78 and all you know back then pre-internet of course there was no news other than Rolling Stone, you know, which came out once every two weeks, or somebody would say something on the radio. So in the spring of 78, I'm a um, sophomore, I think, at Rhode Island School of Design, majoring in graphic design. And um, that's also the year 78 that I, well, that's what I'm going to get to. So I'm in the, um, I'm in the Rhode Island School of Design dark room developing photographs because I remember I was majoring in graphic design so they taught us photography and all that and we had a radio piped into the dark room that was always set to the Boston rock station WBCN uh, which was a great you know they broke a lot of you know new wave you know in 78 like the cars and stuff like that but I'm, I remember, so imagine that red light of the dark room, and I'm developing pictures, and I'm listening to WBCN. And as a Bruce fan, we're dying for news about when is this new out. We knew, we heard he was recording in New York City, but no word about when this album's coming out. So we're dying for Bruce news. And all of a sudden, I hear on that radio in the dark room the opening notes to the song Because the Night, which of course I didn't know was Because the Night. But I gotta tell you, I knew from just the opening three notes, you know, that was repetitive. I remember like a light bulb, like a dark light bulb went over my head and I just said, that's Bruce. I knew within the first six notes, I said, that's Bruce. And then, of course, I hear the voice of Patti Smith, who I liked because I liked the album Horses that had come out in 76. I was like, wow, Patti Smith is doing the song. And then, of course, whether the DJ <coughs> told us after, I don't know. But soon after, I learned it was a Bruce Springsteen song and once again felt vindicated. <laughs> so that was the spring of 78. Yeah. couple months later, it had to be the end of May. So I guess it's still technically the spring. But... The seniors in the film department at RISD had to show their senior film like their degree projects. Sure. And it was always an event everybody looked forward to, seeing all these experimental student films. And like with anything student-y, 
you're going to have your range of quality. There's going to be some people. I remember looking at one guy's thing, and you could just tell he was going to be an incredible professional. And that ended up being Bob Richardson, the cinematographer that ended up winning Oscars with Oliver Stone. He did JFK. I mean, he's a famous wow. yeah. I remember seeing his student film when I was a sophomore and he was a graduating senior. And compared to the other student films, which looked many of them amateurish, along comes this guy's film. It was about a band in Boston, but it just looked slick and professional. Yeah. And that was Bobby Richardson. So, so it's late May of 78. And we're still waiting. Maybe the news had been released by then that Bruce is coming out with a new album early June, and it's called Darkness on the Edge of Town. That's all we got. No music, no nothing. So it's the end of May, and I'm at the RISD Film Student Senior Films, and on comes this black and white film that is shot as if the camera is mounted to the front of the car, and you're on that bleak you know, middle of the country highway. You know that look David Lynch yeah. does a lot, you know, where the car is moving fast and, you know, you're seeing the road, but it's very symmetrical, like a Stanley Kubrick shot. Yeah. And this film comes on with that as the visual image, and this is what I hear over the soundtrack. Boom, 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 boom. And again, just like with Because the Night, I heard those first six notes, and I said, that's Bruce. It turned out it was the Robert Gordon version that Bruce gave to Gordon. Why? Because he wrote it originally, we found out years later, that he wrote it to be Elvis's comeback single Right. in the summer of 77 when it was on its way to Graceland, according to the urban legend, uh, when Elvis dies in August of 77. And Bruce had seen Elvis, I think, in 1976. I guess the last time he played New York or somewhere he yeah. saw him. And, then, you know, it was the fat, drugged-out Elvis period, obviously. And Bruce was so crushed and disappointed that his, one of his heroes right. was at that state. So when he's in the studio, finally allowed in the spring of 77, he immediately starts working on the song meant to be a comeback single for Elvis. Now, out of all the times he's played that live, there have been the Pointer Sisters version. There is the Robert Gordon version. There is the Elmer Fudd version by the late, what's his name? The Robert comedian. Williams, yes. And yet, in my opinion, the greatest version of the song Fire is the full band demo that sounds like a finished song that Bruce put out, never put out, now, if you think the 2011 box set, The Promise, if you think that version mm -hmm. is what I call the original outtake, he went back in without making any liner notes, of course, and re-recorded vocals and different parts. That's not what I call the original outtake. Right. But if you could find what I call the original outtake of Fire, the, the so-called demo, like I said, it was a finished song. That is the greatest version of Fire ever. Yeah. And if you can imagine Bruce even vocally to show Elvis, like, this is what you should sing it like. Like, on certain lines, it's Bruce doing his best Elvis. I mean, it's an incredible version of an incredible song. And when Elvis died, he got the demo back and he gave it to this young rockabilly guy, Robert Gordon, which 
ended up making his career, even though I don't know whatever happened really to Robert Gordon. Yeah. But the point is, is that jump started Robert Gordon's career, and that's the version I heard. But like I said, within six notes, you knew, and that, and that's what I mean about Bruce's ability to both play something new that also sounds instantly classic. When you think of those opening notes to fire, it's Bruce paying homage to those old Elvis songs. Yes. What's that one? Um, um, uh, and Marie's the name of the and Marie's the name of the latest flame. Bum 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 bum. You know, bum 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 bum. It's yep. Bruce, and that's the greatness of Bruce as a cover artist. And what makes his music so incredible is that it sounds like an instant classic, and yet it's new. The ability, I mean, that's like being constructivist and deconstructivist at the same time. Like Bruce wears his influences on his sleeve, but he melds them into something that's also at the same time brand new. I, I've often said when I was on, um, you know, E Street Radio does that Be the Boss where you pick five songs. Yeah, and I was I, on that in like 2009. Yeah, I got, I got lucky to be on that once, and one of the songs I picked was girls in their summer clothes right and so. i said because it's 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 bruce springsteen east street band channeling brian wilson and the beach boys yeah it is well, his version of a beach a Boys bunch song. of songs on that 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 to me is i think his greatest um album of the 21st century is magic i think there's a handful of songs on magic like girls in the summer clothes and the the style of production trying to do a kind of pet sounds yes um you know to me i mean that's one of my favorite songs but then you get you know you'll be coming down and your own worst enemy i mean you know there's just a couple of songs on that album that and ironically he hardly has ever played any of these live i know in their summer clothes so whether he feels he needs this orchestration i don't know what the reason is but i mean you'll be coming down and your own worst enemy are two of Bruce's greatest songs, like I said, in the in the 21st yeah. century, and he never plays them live. But again, this gets back into my criticism, Bruce. There are songs from Human Touch that would be barn burners. They yes. would bring the house that all or nothing at all. He's never played. Mm-hmm. All or nothing at all is a great rock and roll song. He never plays it. I actually got to hear that or once in Houston. I mean, no, no, but I mean, I know it doesn't play much, but he was in Houston. And um, he played it, and it's on my, you know, list. He played All or Nothing at All. Are you kidding me? No, I got to hear that, and it was amazing. It's only play that. It's got to be less than one handful of times. Yeah, it was. And I I got lucky enough to see it. And he was like, I think it's going to be a hit. I think it's a sleeper. I think it's a sleeper. And And yet, this is what I'm saying. My biggest criticism of Bruce is all about what he chose to put on and what he chose to put off. Yeah. And again, this is all covered, lest anybody misconstrue what I say. I, in the end, you adore the man. I love the man, but that doesn't mean because right. I'm aware of those outtakes. Yeah. Let me tell you something. When future civilizations or aliens discover these outtakes thousands of years from now, when they're researching yeah. the greatest rock and roller from Earth named Bruce Springsteen, do you think they're going to care? Whether the version of Restless Nights that I think is one of the greatest outtakes from the river that's better than any song on the released river. Restless mm-hmm. Nights 
not the yeah. version he put out on tracks because he screwed around with it. What I call the original yeah. outtake. By that the way, verse, yeah, go ahead. Is, my point is, you know, that is one of his. I forget what my point is. Where was I going with this? You got to remind me. Sometimes I go off on tangents. Uh, you were talking about that song being. Um, that, but that, in what it, context? See, I forgot. Uh, just about that in the future, if, if they're exploring, they're going to go. This was Mike, an outtake. No, yes. This is like in films. You know, you need a script girl yes. to keep track of continuity. Line, line. Yes. My point is, you know, the fact that he released certain songs that became darkness and that he didn't release others or that he didn't release the single album called Ties That Bind but put out the double album The River. Do you think future historians or aliens are going to care? No. All that's going to matter is the existence of that music. They're going to hear Restless Nights. They're not going to give a flying you-know-what. Yeah. Whether Bruce chose to release or not, it's going to be – so my point is – Bruce, in actual existence, in his life, wrote a bevy of songs during the Darkness recording sessions that would have been an incredible double album that would have done what he claims the river did two years yeah. later. You look at the outtakes and imagine Darkness. He could have still had his Relentless Darkness album, but there would have been this other album of songs like Action in the Streets and songs like Frankie, and I mean, I could go on and on. Well, you know, there was thoughts he wanted to do a doo-wop album. By the way, just to put a button in it, according to My Boss Time, which is the database uh, that you can go... Up. Yeah. Um, we got no, part two, man. Yeah. All or Nothing at All has been played eight times. Okay, well, I think you the judges said will still accept my answer. Yes, I will. said you make your, you, okay. exactly. You that's I was I was verifying. I was I was saying you were correct. To the number. Right, you were you were correct, sir. Thanks. All right, two class questions. Couple of songs that if when he tours again, you hope you can hear him play live. Okay. To me. Like two of his greatest songs, he again hardly ever plays live. I've one of my all-time favorite songs is New York City Serenade. It's probably the song that I play for newbies who think Bruce is only this guy that screams "Born in the USA." Yeah. I, I usually play the the studio version from the second album, which is brilliant. Right. But then there's the great the definitive live version is uh, from 1975 at the main point. That he that was a radio broadcast. Whenever Bruce did a radio broadcast, he knew he was making a de facto live album. Yeah. And there's a 17 minute version of New York City Serenade that might be his single greatest live performance of anything. Hmm. That particular version of New York City Serenade. So I always hope he's going to play New York City Serenade. And then, ironically, since we're talking about the river, one of my favorite songs from the release album, and of course. He's got outtake versions that are better than the version he put on the album, yeah. but he never plays it live, is Price You Pay. Yeah. You mentioned you saw a show where, you know, the River yeah. Tour a couple of years ago. He finally had to play Price You Pay. Yeah. That, to me, is one of his, you know, it's like a sequel to Thunder Road. Yeah. I, or Promised Land, I mean. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's one of his great songs, great vocal and like I said, there's a couple of outtake versions of it that are even better than the version he put on the album. But 
he literally never plays price you pay. Yeah. I don't know whether it's the vocal he can't achieve because there's that very distinctive harmony. And I don't know what it is, but when he had to play it a couple of years ago, he played it, right? Yeah, he did. So those are two songs off the top of my head I always think about okay. because – and yet the amount of times he's played New York City Serenade uh, compared to Price You Pay makes New York City Serenade look like Born to Run. I mean <laughs> – Yes. Uh, but, but yeah, I always, I always hope. Um, and then there's, you know, those classics that we all wish he, he plays, Incident 57th Street. Yeah. You know, I'm a big Backstreets fan. Yeah. Um, you know, I, when I just think of my, my kind of favorite songs. Ironically, as much as I love Born to Run, and it's always fun live to sing it with the house lights up, yeah. the definitive version of the song itself is the album version. Yeah. Which, to me, is the greatest, not only the theme song of rock and roll itself, but... The recorded version, I think, is the greatest piece of recorded music ever. I think it goes beyond anything Phil Spector or Brian Wilson or any of the, the – I mean, to me, it's Bruce – it's the greatest piece of recorded music ever. And I will defend that to classical people. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Opera, classical, you name it. That recorded version of Born to Run is as much for the ages as anything – by the greatest classical or modern composers, period. Yeah, whether you're Ode to Joe or Handel's Messiah, you name it, it's there. Let me tell you something. You know, I might have to put into my will that I want my, you know, funeral, not funeral, whatever, uh, you know, where you get buried to be like a multimedia um, exhibit where you press a button, you know, by the headstone. Yeah. You'll hear Born to Run in like 5.1 stereo sound. (laughs) There you go. That'll be my statement about... Arlen, what did you think about life? I'll tell you, if you want to know what life is about, listen to the song Born to Run. You know, that might have to be on my tombstone. I hope I'm not jinxing myself. All right. You know, it's true, though. If you want to find out what life in the in the mid-20th century was about, and yet it's also timeless and for all time, I want to know if love is real. What more do you want than that? That's right. The All Bible. Right. What is the Bible's essential message, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament? Love is real. Well is said, real, sir. Unintended. Well said. But love. The Beatles are right. All you need is love. Everything that we're talking about tonight, whether it's a great song or a great show, is about sharing the love. Bruce has shared his love with us. The love of rock and roll that saved his life. When he was a kid, that elevated him from his surroundings like a Damascus experience. Yeah. We've all had that with Bruce Springsteen. For me, it was driving a car along my road to Damascus mm-hmm. and hearing Born to Run. For somebody else, it was seeing him live. For a lot of people, most people, I would say, Bruce, listen, Bruce didn't get where he is by record sales. No. Record sales came later. I, I've often said that two kinds of people in the world. The one that goes that they, they go to their first Bruce show, one people go, Wow, that was long and the second people go, Oh my goodness, when can I go see this again? And Is I was one of the second that people. Can see a Bruce show and come away with it just by again, quantity over quality. Yeah. If if you're telling me you're a human being with a beating heart and a brain and you went to see Bruce Springsteen and you're coming away from it, wow, that was long. 
that just shows you you're dead inside, and I feel sorry <laughs> for you. Very nice. All right, we're going to wrap it up, but I have to oh, ask you the very question. No, can we end it on a rapturous note? Come on. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to end up with it. I'm going to ask you the Mary question. So here's what, what? the Mary question. The what question? The Mary question. Mary? Yes. Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher from Philadelphia. Every year, his seniors, they take two days and they break down Thunder Road as a poem. They cover all the lyrics. They discuss the um, images expressed in the song. They talk about the themes of the song. And at the end of the two days, Jay looks at his class. And my question is to you, Arlen Schumer, does Mary get in the car? Now, you've got to allow me to answer this the way I'm going to answer it, and you've got to let me finish, and I think it'll end the show. You ready? I'm ready. The screen door slams, Chrissy's dress sways. Like a vision, she dances across the porch. As the radio plays, Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Hey, that's me, baby, and I want you only. Don't turn me home again. I just can't face myself alone again tonight. Don't you run back inside, darling. You know just what I'm here for. Here for so you're scared and you're thinking that maybe we ain't that young anymore. Show a little faith, there's magic in the night. You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right, and that's all right with me. You can hide beneath your covers and study your pain. Throw crosses in your lovers, throw roses in the rain. Waste your summer praying in vain for a savior to rise from these streets. Well, I ain't no hero that's understood. All the redemption I can offer bays beneath this old hood With one last chance to make it good somehow And what else can we do now Except roll down the window and let the wind blow back your hair Well, the night's busting open and these two lanes will take us anywhere. We've got one last chance to make it real. We're going to trade in these wings for some wheels. Climbing back. Heaven's waiting down on the tracks. We'll now try hard, Chrissy, to understand. I'm riding out tonight to case the promised land. Well, baby, if you're born with nothing in your hands, well, hey, it's your only chance. Well, it's lying out there like a killer in the sun. Hey, I know it's late, but we can make it if we run. Oh, I wish you'd come, so leave what you've lost, leave what's grown old on Thunder Road. Well, I've got 
this guitar and I've learned how to make it talk. My car's out back if you're ready to take that long walk. From your front porch to my front seat. Hey, the door is open, but the ride, it ain't free. No, it ain't free. There were ghosts in the eyes of all those wild boys you sent away. They haunt this dusty beach road and the skeletal remains of burned out Chevrolets. Well, they scream to you at night from the street. Your graduation gown lies in rags at their feet. Well, in the lonely cool before dawn, from your room you hear their engines roar on. But when you get to the porch, they're gone, lost in the wind. So Chrissy climbing, it's a town full of losers and I'm pulling out of here to win. Very nice. All right. If someone wants to reach you, how can they? Arlenschumer.com. Make sure you spell my name right. A-R-L-E-N-S-C-H-U-M-E-R. And my blog page on my website always has my up-to-date things. But all of my webinars I'm doing with this company in New York City called New York Adventure Club. And their website, which has all of my upcoming webinars, MarlonSchumer.com's blog. I'm on Facebook. That's where I interact with people the most, so friend me. I run a couple of comics history groups on Facebook about Neil Adams, about Jack Kirby, and about the Silver Age. You can buy my book, The Silver Age of Comic Art, through my website or at thesilverageofcomicbookart.com, um, dedicated. And then I have posters of mine and T-shirts of my illustrations at an independent merchandise site called popcultureman.com. But everything is linked from my website, so you, even if you just go to arlandschumer.com, you'll be able to get to all these other places. If you go to that website, be ready to spend some time going down Not very entertaining page. rabbit holes. Especially for Bruce fans, you go to the Bruce page of my website. There's my 90-minute radio program that we started to talk about. Which is brilliant. Greatest hits you've never heard. It is that brilliant. Mine. Think about it. His greatest hits you've never heard. Period. Yes. And uh, and then there's, uh, you know, again, videos of live multimedia presentations I've done. And just for you to give me this platform. Listen, I can't remember the last time I sang Thunder Road acoustic acapella. I tell you what, I had tears in my eyes. I had tears in my eyes. And I am not I am not Jackie with you. I cannot believe. How do you not go to the recorded version? What happened because, to sound? I'm not getting sound. Oh. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Oh, there we uh, go. I, I hit mute. My, how do you not go to the official version when you're syncing it? You 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 sounded like a demo. I mean, okay, it was that's freaking... the acoustic version from the spring of 1975. Yes, that Bruce has never put out on any outtake collection, and yet that is why, to those of us who were aware of these outtakes in the late 70s when they emerged. When Nebraska came out in 82, those of us who knew 
what we call Thunder Road Acoustic, not live, in yes. the studio. The version I sang for you is that version. Now, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube just like you can find yeah. a lot of Bruce's outtakes. Yeah. But if you can find that version, you will know why Nebraska was not a surprise to any of us. Because we knew Bruce had this capability. When you listen, forget about my version here. I'm an amateur. You listen to Bruce's version. It's got that haunting, ethereal sound yes. that he was able to capture years later on Nebraska. But he captured it, and he's never put it out. He's never even performed it the way I sang it. No. But I was singing, because when I heard that version in the late 70s, again, it's like, will the real Thunder Road please stand up? The version on the album is great, of course. That's the version most people know. But because I'm really into the outtakes, there's a full yeah. band version from the studio that I like better than the mix he ended up putting out. And this is where we get into these, you know, in-depth discussions about why did Bruce choose this mix? Why did he go with that? Why did he go with this version and not that? Why did he choose this song over that song? It just boggles my mind. Arlen Schumer, I could spend time. I, I, if you I'm will, telling you, if you're, if you're willing to come back, we will do this again. Anytime you want me. Because yes. this was fascinating. Anytime you want me, I'm yours. I appreciate you, my friend. Listeners, um, this is so good, I'm going to split this in two parts. <laughs> because this was That's amazing. That's what Solomon said when they said <laughs> Yes. All right, listeners, be safe. Social distance. Wash your hands. Wear an effing mask. Take care of yourself, and we will talk to you soon. And we'll see you. Vote blue vote in 2020. Blue. Yes. Turn, we need a blue wave so bad. A tsunami. Yes. Thank you, listeners. Like we'll in talk those special you. effects movies. <laughs> you need one of those. Preach it, brother. Preach it. I preach it. Don't get me started on that subject. All right. That'll be our next topic. Thank yeah. you, listeners. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. 
The Said Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. Yeah. I've read more polls since the age of social media. You know, there's yeah. a million Bruce groups. Yeah. I'm always a little bit surprised when in many polls amongst Bruce fans, yeah. Thunder Road is rated higher than the song Born to Run. Right. Now, for those of us that love Born to Run, like mm. I do, I don't want to say it's blasphemous because who doesn't love Thunder Road? Yeah, exactly. But it's, to me, it's like Born to Run is side A and Thunder Road maybe is side B. But yes. I love Thunder Road. But to me, Born to Run is just like the 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like Kubrick had other great films. You know, Clockwork Orange yeah. and this analog, Thunder Road. Clock, yeah. Clockwork Orange is a brilliant movie, one of a kind – one of his masterpieces. Mm -hmm. But 2001 is one level above that. Yeah. And that's how I see Born to Run. But again, you might be in the majority, I got to tell you. Well, there's no, and I'm just saying. No, but there's something about Thunder Road that strikes a chord with people. If Born to Run is this bombastic rock song that's like thoroughbreds coming out of a gate yeah. like and sprinting. Thunder Road is really a ballad that becomes a rock and roll sprint by the end. It's a different type of song, yeah. but there's something about – remember, people love McCartney's songs with the Beatles. There's something about a love song in the way it's done as a ballad that everybody falls for. Mm -hmm. And I think the appeal of Thunder Road vis-a-vis -vis Born to Run is because of that – what I would call a more of a sentimental aspect, but it's Bruce doing sentiment as it should be done, not the treacly uh, clawing version of sentiment that we find in most pop culture. Bruce's sentiment is real. When and that's why Thunder Road is one of these ultimate love song ballads that kind of becomes a rock and roll song. And as a, as a, as a arc of development where it's born to run Starts on Spinal Tap's eleven, yeah, and goes and up, never lets up, and finishes on Spinal Tap eleven. So, so to me, yeah, that is the epic quality. But people say Thunder Road is epic. So, art in the end is subjective. So, what was interesting is I asked that question to everyone, and and I get yes, she gets in the car, no, she doesn't get in the car, um, and they and everyone gives reasons why. Because lyrics, he altered them and changed them over the years. Yes. Listen, people think Mary's dress waves. It's not. It's Mary's dress sways. It's written in the lyrics. Right. You can imagine it's waves. And the idea of a dress waving is a very what you call um, when you add uh, human um, attributes to an inanimate yeah. object. Isn't there a word for that? There is, but I don't remember what it was. But when you personify, in other words, it makes yeah. sense, quote unquote, if the lyrics were Mary's dress waves. But the bottom line is, at least according to the printed lyrics of Sway, so this idea that she get in the car, you're talking about in the end, it's always a pleading like, come on with me, Wendy, get in my car. Does she get in or doesn't she get in? Well, well we're it's all Schrodinger, uh, it's Schrodinger's cat. That's it a great all question. And and by the way, I one of my favorite answers is a guy said it depends. He said if if the whole band 
is playing Thunder Road, she gets in the car. Because at the end of the song, with Clarence's sax solo and the band playing it off, it's a triumph, and she's getting in the car. When he's doing it solo, and he does the na-na-na-na, she doesn't get in the car, and he's driving off by himself. Well, hold on. Why, why can't he be with the girl in a more meditative like no reason at all but i thought that was a very interesting answer so my point is that's a possible answer again when you have an open-ended song like that where bruce purposely doesn't tell you then like any work of art there are some movies and and tv shows and books where it ends where yeah you've got to decide it's like the end of the sopranos you know it's it, that's the again. That's that interaction between artist and audience is sometimes. Listen, you know these famous stories where the the guy that writes the song says uh, when they ask him, well, "What was that song about?" Oh, it was about me, you know, breaking up my girlfriend. Well, but some listener thinks it's about the end of the world. Well, that's the nature of art. Once you put it out there, it doesn't matter what your actual intentions are because the minute you release it. It literally takes on a life of its own as a work of art, and everybody that interacts with a work of art, it's like a chemical reaction. Your personality, life experience, get reflected into that work of art and come back at you, and for every person, it's a little different. So a song can save someone's life, literally, when the songwriter might have just been writing a Moon June Spoon love song. That he was cranking out to make a deadline. Who knows? Absolutely. Well said, my friend. That's the beauty of art. All right. So we got to do this again sometime soon. Anytime. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.